This is Plant-Based Briefing, how to keep your microbiome healthy with prebiotic foods, and the 5 to 1 Fiber Rule by Dr. Michael Greger at NutritionFacts.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Plant-Based Podcast, where I curate a variety of articles on plant-based and vegan living, get permission, and read them to you here in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. Today's articles are shorter, so I'm combining two into the one episode. They're both by Dr. Michael Greger. He founded NutritionFacts.org to provide free updates on the latest in nutrition research. There's a lot of confusing and conflicting nutritional advice out there, usually presented by people with a financial interest. So they summarize the latest in nutrition and health research with no conflicts of interest. There are no ads, no corporate sponsorships. It's a non-commercial, non-profit site. Highly recommend it, nutritionfacts.org. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. How to keep your microbiome healthy with prebiotic foods and the 5 to 1 fiber rule by Dr. Michael Greger at nutritionfacts.org. How to keep your microbiome healthy with prebiotic foods. We co-evolved a symbiosis with our good gut bacteria, but we are not holding up our end of the bargain. If you look at the classics, the most frequently cited articles in the scientific nutrition literature, the original glycemic index paper comes out at number 10, cited over a thousand times. Learning about fruit, vegetables, and cancer prevention was a hallmark. But hitting the top five, cited more than 2,000 times, dietary modulation of the human colonic microbiota introducing the concept of prebiotics. Prebiotics are the food components that feed and nourish the good bacteria in our gut, like fiber and resistant starch. In general, eating high-fiber plant foods is a good foundation for a prebiotic-rich diet. Once upon a time, fiber was just thought of as the undigested component of foods, known only for bulking up our stools and keeping our bowels regular. Then we discovered an array of receptors in the body in which fiber breakdown products fit in like a lock and key. We feed our good bacteria with fiber, and they feed us right back, munching the fiber and creating short-chain fatty acids that get absorbed into our bloodstream and fit into these receptors that are expressed on immune cells and generally mediate a direct anti-inflammatory effect. So the reason for lower systemic inflammation in plant-based eaters may not just be due to the abundance of anti-inflammatory molecules in plant foods or the avoidance of pro-inflammatory molecules in animal foods, but from the production of anti-inflammatory molecules from scratch by our good gut bugs when we feed them fiber. Just to give you an idea how protective fiber-rich foods can be, those randomized to get advice to eat fiber-rich plant foods during radiation therapy for cancer didn't just experience reduced toxicity during the treatments, but even a full year later. Indeed, the benefits of fiber are supported by more than a century of research. Prospective studies show striking reductions in death from all causes put together, including total cancer deaths, total cardiovascular disease deaths and incidents, stroke incidents, and incidents of colorectal, breast, and esophageal cancer. And dose-response relationships suggest that the more the better in terms of protecting against heart attacks and stroke, type 2 diabetes, and cancer. So at a minimum, fiber intake should be no less than 25 to 29 grams per day, with additional benefits likely to accrue with higher intakes. Yet, the average American only consumes about 16 grams of fiber per day. 
We have co-evolved over millennia with gut bacteria to the point of reliance on our good gut bugs, a kind of symbiosis for fiber digestion and the production of short-chain fatty acids and even certain vitamins. Yet we're not holding up our end of the bargain. We're supposed to be providing up to 100 or so grams of fiber a day, and we are barely passing along a measly 16 grams. The simplest solution, the simplest approach to remedy this lack of dietary fiber is to encourage consumption of whole food, plant-based nutrition. The 5 to 1 Fiber Rule A guideline is suggested for how to read food labels for grain products such as bread and breakfast cereals. When people think fiber, they think constipation. And it's true, if we could get Americans to eat just the minimum recommended daily intake of fiber-containing foods, we could save our country $80 billion. And that's just from the effects of constipation alone. Accumulating evidence indicates that greater dietary fiber intake reduces risk for diabetes, heart disease, certain cancers, weight gain, obesity, and diverticular disease, as well as constipation. So we need to eat more fiber-rich foods, which means eating more whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and legumes, beans, peas, and lentils. As fiber intake goes up, the risk of metabolic syndrome appears to go down, less inflammation, and an apparent stepwise drop in obesity risk. And so, no surprise perhaps, that greater dietary fiber intake is associated with a lower risk of heart disease, a 9% lower risk for every additional 7 grams per day of total fiber consumed. That's just like some rice and beans or a few servings of fruits and vegetables. How does fiber do its magic? What are the mechanisms by which dietary fiber may extend our lifespan? It helps to get rid of excess bile, feeds our good bacteria, changes our gut hormones, which collectively helps control our cholesterol and body weight, blood sugar and blood pressure, which reduces the risk for cardiovascular disease. Reducing inflammation is a whole other mechanism by which fiber may prevent chronic disease. The accompanying editorial to the Fiber and Heart Disease Meta-Analysis implored doctors to enthusiastically and skillfully recommend that patients consume more dietary fiber. That means a lot of whole plant foods. If we do buy something packaged, the first word in the ingredients list should be whole. But then, the rest of the ingredients could be junk. So a second strategy is to look at the ratio of grams of carbohydrates to grams of dietary fiber. We're looking for about 5 to 1 or less. So, for example, whole wheat Wonder Bread passes the first test, the first word is whole, but then it's like corn syrup and a chemistry set. Let's see if it passes the 5 to 1 rule. What you do is divide the carbohydrates by the dietary fiber. So 20 divided by 2.7 is about 7. That's more than 5, so goes back on the shelf. Better than white, though, which clocks in at over 18. Here's one that makes the cut, Ezekiel bread. 15 divided by 3 equals 5. You can do the same thing with breakfast cereal. Multigrain Cheerios sounds healthy, but has a ratio over 7. And then it just goes downhill from there. Here's an example of one that makes the cut, though. Uncle Sam toasted whole wheat berry flakes and flaxseed, sliding in under 4. The editorial concluded, the recommendation to consume diets with adequate amounts of dietary fiber may turn out to be the most important nutritional recommendation of all. You just listened to How to Keep Your Microbiome Healthy with Prebiotic Foods and the 5 to 1 Fiber Rule, both by Dr. Michael Greger at NutritionFacts.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. 
If you're interested in other episodes on gut microbiome or fiber, just search those terms wherever you listen to Plant-Based Briefing. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so simply by sharing this episode. Share it on your social media. Send it to a friend. And of course, you could always shop for plant-based or vegan merchandise at plantbasedbriefing.com slash shop, where 10% of proceeds go to Changing Hearts Farm Sanctuary, a local sanctuary near me. And of course, you could always leave a review on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. And as always, thanks for listening.